Pastors Larry and Tiz welcome you to another New Beginnings Church podcast. Go deeper into God's Word with practical messages and lifestyle studies that will equip, inspire, and encourage you in your relationship with Jesus. Get ready to be fit for life told everybody in the audience today that we're kind of going to do something a bit different because we're going to talk about what a mature believer ought to be doing. Now, if there was somebody that walked through the door that was brand new to the church, we would switch gears and we would talk about all the things that they need to know. But since most of us in this room are mature believers, then we're going to go a little bit deeper. You got up early and made your way here, so I'm going to feed you. If you were here on uh, last Wednesday night when Pastor Troy was teaching, and uh, at the close of, of his talk, I was talking about how God had given me a question to ask my girlfriend, uh, Joan Porter. Now, I'll run through it real quick again. Um, Joni and I worked for the bank. I met her when she was working in the advertising department. Um, she worked for a less than admirable boss. All of us kind of skirted around him whenever he was around, but nonetheless, he was the main exec in charge of advertising. She made him look great. She did everything possible to uplift his reputation, take care of everything that needed to happen in the field. And I watched her about, about a year, and I thought, if she can make him look good, she can make me look great. So I stole her from the advertising department. What I didn't know is that the week prior to my interviewing Joan to come to work for me in region, she had just turned in her resignation. Now, banks have a lot of red tape. And one thing you can't do is when someone turns in a resignation, you can't hire them for another job. I didn't know that, fortunately, so I went ahead and offered her the position. She went back to <clears throat> the head of um, HR and said, I have turned in my resignation, but I do understand the rules. I would like to withdraw that, and I would like to accept this position. Another rule that the, the bank had is that before you bring a new employee in, you have to look at their employee progress report. They don't want you to be surprised. Her employee progress report was horrible. And so I walked into my boss. It's like, okay, I've watched this woman. I know she's good. And he said, well, let's look deeper. Why did he rate her low in this area? And so we looked at everything, and everything that he didn't like about her was exactly what I loved about her. So my boss wrote across the red tape, and I brought Joan in to work for me. I brought her in because not only was she good and smart, but she was a believer. And so I was really excited to have somebody that was a Christian and traveling with me and that would, you know, help me because we were working out of town. On our, one of our first trips, we're in the car, and I'm driving, and we're discussing the Bible. And Joni makes the statement, well, you don't really believe everything that's in there, do you? And it was kind of like I wanted to slam on the brakes and whip my head around, like, what? But it's like, okay, I'm in the, in the car. I'm going to just keep driving. And, and I shot a prayer up real quickly to God, and it's like, okay, now what? And that's when he gave me the first time that I had started asking questions instead of making statements to people. And the question that he gave me to ask her was, how do you decide? Now, keep in mind, this was 30 years ago, actually over 30. So I asked that question because I'm obedient. But her response came back, oh, well, that's easy. Now, here's what I want to talk about today. Because 
30 years ago, when I obeyed God and did what he told me to do, and I didn't see the results, I started complaining. I literally said, well, that didn't work. Now what, coach? (laughs) And I was troubled in my spirit the whole time because I wanted to do something. When you're a doer, you really want to do something. When, when you're a fixer, you really want to fix something. What you don't want to do is step back and let God work. Now, I didn't understand 30 years ago that stepping back and letting God work was the best thing to do. So I stood for a while. So the next morning, Joni comes into the office. Her hair is kind of disheveled. She actually looks a bit wrinkled, which was not like her at all. She storms into my office, slams the door, and looks at me and says, okay, I couldn't sleep all night. I don't know how I decide. It's like, wow, God, that was really a good question. Thank you so much. And I spent the next hour talking to her about the Bible and what it really means. And we either believe it or we don't. And when I shared that story on Wednesday night, what I wasn't able to add is that was 30 years ago. We as believers should have matured a bit between then and now. And so now if God gives me a question and I ask what he tells me to ask or say what he tells me to say and it doesn't produce an immediate result, my next step is to go, thank you, Father, that you have given me a question and thank you, Lord, that I was obedient. You gave me the courage to do what you told me to do. And Heavenly Father, if I missed you in any way, please correct my words and let, let my spirit, the Holy Spirit that comes through me in my spirit, go talk directly to that individual spirit. I pray over the word that God has given me, knowing that he will take care of it. The second story, I'll probably tell it the Wednesday we get back from, from Israel <laughs> with Pastor Troy is when Don first came to church. Not here, no beginnings. After we were married and everything was going blah, and I went back to church because I said to the Lord, you know, this marriage is not working. What can I do? And he said, I'm so glad you asked. Okay, here's some things. So I went back to church. Um, I know there are a lot of women that write the scriptures on the pillows, you know, and all those kind of things and lay hands on their husbands, but those aren't always the same pathway that God leads us on. So God said, number one, don't write anything on his pillow. Number two, don't preach to him. I could fix this if you'd just let me go. No. Do not ask him if he wants to come to church. Well, how are you going to work on that? Okay. So I would leave, and I would say, honey, I'm I'm headed into church. Um, Anything you want me to bring home? And to the best of my ability, I tried to do that with a sincere heart and a gentle spirit. Sometimes I had to stand outside the bedroom door and bound my head against the wall before I could calm myself down enough to go in and say, sweetheart, I'm headed to church. Is there anything you want me to bring home? But nonetheless, I was obedient. Finally, one Sunday, and it's a long circumstance, but Don decided he was going to go to church. I was thrilled. So was, remember, this is a good Baptist church. So if any of you have been Baptist, you know, everybody's been praying for Don. So Don walks in and everybody's, Don, we're so glad to see you. So he's feeling pretty good. It's like, everybody knows my name. They're glad I'm here. And in the history of Evangel Baptist Church, either before or after, there has never been a speaker like what was in our pulpit that Sunday. We walked in and sat down. And in our Baptist church, you stood behind the pulpit. You know, of course, you opened your songbooks and you maybe sang verse one, but always verse two and four. And everything was pretty quiet and organized. So the speaker came on, and when he started, it's like, wait a minute, he's moving. 
Not only did he move, he screamed and yelled and spit. And he was talking about burning in hell. Those were words that had never come out of anybody's mouth in our pulpit. And I'm sitting there going, thanks a lot, God. Now, remember, this is a long time ago. I get him here. Get it. I get him here. I get him here one Sunday, and you do that. And I'm just angry. Now, praise God for his grace, because that could have spoiled the whole thing. Amen? But I share all of this just to say we're pretty much alike, and there may be some circumstance where you have that same, so I'm helping you out here. At the end of the service, he said, close your eyes, and I felt Don, you know, rustle and move. He was on that side of me, and that was the end of the pew. It's like, sure, he's gone outside, he's going to get a smoke. So I opened up my eyes, and I looked, and it's like, oh my gosh, there's Don Cole down at the altar, and the guy's praying with him. It's like, how did that happen? I said, well, certainly wasn't anything you did, sister. <laughs> so after that, it was like, God knows these things. He set Don up to be agreeable on the exact Sunday that that maniac would be in the pulpit, because God knew that the gentleness of our beloved pastor would not be enough to crack through and capture Don's heart. I share those because we can trust God. The problem is we try to get in the middle of it. Now, I can remember as a little kid hearing about, you know, Jonah and the whale. And that was the, the, the scripture that God brought me to. And it's like, well, how do I reference this to the Bible? Jonah was not a mean man. He was really a man who loved justice, which is why he didn't want to go to Nineveh. He didn't want them to repent and get off the hook. Sidebar. Do any of us have people in our lives that we really would like to see not get off the hook? Is there anybody that we're thinking they're on their way and they're going to hit the wall? And we're praying for them and believing, but we kind of hope they hit the wall. Okay, nobody in here. I can tell by your aura that you're, you're all clean. But when you minister to people, just realize there might be somebody that you're waiting to get their just, just desserts. That's not God's way. Okay, back on track. So Jonah really wants justice, and he loves God. But he goes the opposite direction. Now, I don't understand the big fish. I don't understand all that stuff. But I don't understand creation either, so I don't let it stop me from believing it. Amen. (laughs) But somehow, God captured Jonah. And probably because of Jonah's temperament, because he was so strong, God knew that he would be the only one that could go in and not look at the looks on their faces, but say what needed to be said, which that strength caused Jonah to run, but that strength also caused Jonah to deliver the right message to the right people. So he was hand-packed for his assignment, even though he kind of cul-de-sacked around. But when he got there, he did what God told him to do, and that nation turned around. I don't think I've ever been a Jonah. I think I've seen some Jonas. But I don't think I've been one. But I think sometimes I have looked at things and thought, this is going to be a disaster. Remember, I'm talking about me as a saved girl 20, 30 years ago, not where I am today. Today, I truly, truly believe that God causes all things to work together for good. I believe no matter what wackadoodle circumstance we may be looking at, I believe that somehow God is going to weave this He's going to protect us, bring, it, bring us through it, and put our feet on solid ground, and he will get the honor and the glory. Amen. However, 
what do we do when we're in the hallway? <laughs> We've just come out of a victory. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We're sharing it with everybody. And then all of a sudden, we're in another season, and it's like, what the? And we look around, and it's like, okay, they better not look, because I was talking about my victory over here, and here I am standing. It's like, holy cow. But God's word is just as specific in those empty hallways as what it is on the mountaintop. God inhabits the praises of his people. A gratitude and a thankful heart and attitude, God will bless. We have an expectancy. I don't know how long your tunnel is. I don't know how dark your tunnel is. But I know that we here at New Beginnings, Pastor Larry teaches us, envision the tiny spot at the end of the tunnel. See it. Plan for it. Think about it. Thank God for it. Now, you say, but it didn't come from that way. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if the spot and the blessing is going to come from this direction. When you imagine something and cling to it and believe in it and walk in it and rejoice in it, that allows God to send angels faster than what he could have otherwise to open up doors for us to get what we need. Now, the hard part is watching our confession. I don't think any of us really understand the power of our words. I mean, we do in church. I mean, when I walked into the sanctuary today and heard him, you know, practicing the song, I was like, oh, yes. I mean, you just feel bathed in the presence of God. But we have that ability to walk in it and carry that presence with us. Now, I've been um, taking daily communion based on a, a, a teaching for some time. Um, most of you know Jen Aderholt. The blonde, you know, her daddy, yeah, I've had the church, and now her, her brother does. Jan took communion every day. And when we were in Amsterdam together, traveling together, she brought enough communion for me to take every day. Now, I didn't feel, notice, sense anything different on that trip, taking communion every day. And so when I heard the secondary teaching um, about communion, and I thought, well, I'll give it a try again. And then I started, and it's like, whoa, I feel this. Well, how come here and not there? He said, well, you were obeying, but you weren't owning. (laughs) You were technically perfect, (laughs) but you were spiritually unconnected. I thought, oh, Lord, let me never come into church and be technically perfect and spiritually disconnected. Let me be able to, to ignore whatever is on stage going on, even though that's my job. Let me ignore it when I can be in your presence. Let me ignore what's going on around Heavenly Father where I can be in your presence. Don't let me be disconnected. I don't want to be an obeying idiot. I want to be an obeying daughter. And I think sometimes the longer that we've walked with the Lord, the more our tendency is to obey but not to be connected. And yet over and over again in Scripture, God shows us the one that's not even obeying but has the repentant heart and truly comes and says, I am so sorry, I'm a sinner, forgive me. He is the one that is received. And it was the church guy next to him, Lord, thank you that I'm not like that one, thank you. I'm sure he was sincere, but he was disconnected. If you study a lot on the Jewish teaching, you'll soon realize that God is really more involved with our thinking and um, how we control our emotions and, and what we do with other people. 
And literally, the teaching is that if you have a chance to either do something for God or do something for one of God's children, you're obligated to do something for one of God's children. Now, for a good Baptist girl that was full of rules, that was hard to swallow. It was like, you mean, you've made a a list of things that we can do and can't do on Shabbat, but if somebody needs something, it's more important that I minister to them than ministering to you. And that, for me, I'm just confessing, was kind of a hard piece to just shovel with. It's like, huh. Okay, so that means that if Don's not in the mood to light the candles, I light them with love, grace, compassion, no judgment on him, and I walk in and tell him, Shabbat Shalom, I've lit the candles. Pardon me? <laughs> For those of you that aren't in the room, he said, don't forget the wine. Sometimes we have wine, sometimes we have grape juice. Right now we're sharing a very small glass of wine. One swallow for me, one swallow for him. But the whole thing is the attitude. I can technically have everything perfect. I could have bought the best hollow bread cover from Paula, and it just looks magnificent with my decor. I have the candles all. Oh, I'm going to take a picture and put it on Facebook so everybody knows how pretty it is. Our Stedka box at home is a white ceramic pitcher. It sits in the corner next to the espresso machine. The candle holders are ones that a girlfriend in Portland, Oregon, Corey DePew, she gave me, oh my gosh, how many years ago? But I like them, and they're heavy, and they don't look Jewish at all, but I put my little tea candle inside of there. Now, I have a very special um, box of matches that says thankful on it, and sometimes I take pictures of that, but I don't use that to light the candles, because after all, those are special. Um, I use, isn't that how we are? (laughs) Yes. I use something else to light the candles. But nonetheless, as I'm getting ready for it, I put all of that out early in the day, so that each time I walk past it, it's like, ooh, Shabbat's coming. Ooh, Shabbat's coming. I track it on my phone so I know exactly when I should be lighting the candles. Now, there's a measure there. You know, God doesn't just have one, one two, three now. There, there's a little bit of a, 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 I wouldn't call it sloppy, a, a grace. There's a grace to that timing. But nonetheless, I watch. Now, since I've been practicing that, even if I'm doing something different, it's like the Spirit of God will speak to me. It's like, Shabbat time is like, what? Huh? huh? Oh, yes. Because I have made a heart a condition agreement to put that out and to be excited when Shabbat comes. I share this because we are in a very wackadoodle season. I don't know what's going to happen. I, I hear pastors say we you know, probably have another two years of things being okay. I see people who are going home to heaven early. I see people who are persecuted, and that's right here in Texas. <laughs> and yet I can't look over there and even possibly assume what's going on for them or how they're reacting Uh, Don can tell you that when I was diagnosed with cancer, that was probably the sweetest time in our relationship and in my relationship with God. Now, I'm sure other people on the outside looked in and went, oh, poor Nancy. But the ones that were in my inner circle, they were like, this girl's getting it done. Now, the circumstances didn't change. I hasten to say that. But nonetheless, the attitude, the grace, the, the strength to do what God was calling me to do, that was all there. It was all there. 
So I can't look at that brother and sister and, and think, wow, okay, they've, they've been arrested, and what if we're next? Uh-uh. Father, take care of them. Give them the strength. Give them the courage. Give them the favor. Thank you, Lord. And thank you that you are talking to me. You've given me a circumcised ear that I know exactly what to do. I know you're going to lead me and guide me. It doesn't mean that we don't plan. Much to my dismay, there's a large container of dried food in my closet. But honey decided that was something that we ought to do. So it's like, okay. And then I noticed that on the top of that, it was coffee, freeze-dried coffee. It's like, oh, God, you're so good. Thank you, honey. Thank you. And so I pulled that package out, and I put that in my pantry, kind of to remind me, my supply doesn't just come from the pantry here. My supply comes from obeying God and knowing that he will give me the desires of my heart, coffee, and that he will sustain me and keep me when something is necessary. So I don't know where you are today. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what's happened around you. I don't know what your loved ones are doing. I just know that my message to you this morning is, if you were built to be a Jonah, then run quickly to your assignment. (laughs) If you were built to be a Mary or a Martha, run quickly to your assignment. I can only imagine what Mary was thinking when she was on the way to the tomb and trying to figure out how they were going to get that stone rolled away. And that helps me, no matter what's going on around me, to realize God has already taken care of the issue. I may not see it yet. I may not have experienced yet. I may not have had anybody talk about it yet. But God has already planned the solution. They didn't have to worry and stew about who was going to move the stone because the stone was already removed. They didn't have to think, how's this going to happen? I don't know. You know how crazy things are right now. God had already provided. For all I know, they will suddenly discover that whatever type of grass we have in our yard has incredible nutrients in it, and we'll be able to eat that if the food supply gets really short. Or it may be like the woman with the oil, that that little curd of oil will just keep multiplying and multiplying and multiplying and multiplying. I don't know. But I do know it won't happen if we're spiritually cut off, if we're grumbling, if we're mad, and if we don't pay attention and have circumcised ears. The other piece that God has been speaking in my spirit is my pathway is different from Don's. My pathway is different from Tracy's. So I can't look at Tracy and judge. I can't look at Don and judge. I can pray blessings and strength on both of them but I've got my own lane, and heaven forbid I get to heaven and realize that I was totally off base because I was stretching so hard to fix Tracy and stretching so hard to fix Dawn that I missed me. Whenever I start to wonder about getting to heaven, about getting heaven to earth, about loving my brothers and sisters, there are two faces that show up in my mind. One is a little Jewish man by the name of Larry. We met him through B'nai Zion, and um, he always was smiling. He, I don't even know what he did for a living. Do you, Don? No, yeah. Larry. Anyway, um, he was one of the past presidents of B'nai Zion, and so he kind of showed up at all of our events. 
And he never came in and, you know, talked about, thank you for what you're doing for Israel. You know, I know another check came from the church in Larry Heck Ministries. Thank you, thank you. Um, he came in and he would go, hey, Don, yeah, uh, now, do you and Nancy have children? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, also oh, grandchildren. What are their names? What do they do? And when he heard that Don was praying for Connor, then every time he would come in, how's Connor doing? He never asked what we did. He never mentioned the church. He never mentioned the hucks. He always just came in with a smile, went straight to Don, and asked how Connor was doing. Now you say, now why does his face come to you? Because I'm sure that since he'd been a good Jewish man all of his life, he saw a number of things going on in our church that he knew were not quite kosher, but he never said a word about that. He connected with another human being, remembered names, and ask questions. To this day, I don't think he really understands the, the impact that he had on Don and I. But he was just happy to see him. He was happy to engage in conversation with him again. You say, now you said two faces. Who's the other one? The other one is Mrs. Crawford. Mrs. Crawford was the lady that took care of me when I was real, real little. And Mrs. Crawford laughed at everything. Now, as old as I am, we don't have a lot of pictures. Praise God, I didn't grow up with social media, but nonetheless, we don't have a lot of pictures. We have, you know, staged ones, um, and I have one snapshot of Mrs. Crawford. She probably was about uh, your statue, Deb, because she was a very petite little lady. All I knew was that um, I could fit into her shoes, and I could wear her clothes, you know, the things that she would allow me to play in. I could never wear my mother's shoes or her clothes. You know, those were, those were work things. But Crawford shared openly. I don't know where she was spiritually. I just know that as a woman, she was loving. She had a wise attitude about nature. She called things nature, not mother nature or anything, but she called them nature. But if you were going to take a look, she was very much like Larry, the other face. She was always interested in what was going on asked questions, laughed. We laughed all the time. We played outside. She taught me all kinds of things about gardening and planting and bulbs. And she was just always willing to embrace me. Even when I had done something really awful, I don't know why, I used to love playing in her makeup. And I would go down for a nap. I can remember this. And I would somehow be attracted to that lipstick. And I would, she would come in and I would have lipstick all over me. Well, then my mother would come to pick me up. And she would always ask that question. Was Nancy a good girl today? And it was like, oh, just shoot me. And Mrs. Crawford would put her arm around me. And she said, Nancy was very good today. I was like, Whew, I dodged that one. Always forgiving. Always fun. Always welcoming. I have a picture of Crawford. If you look at the headboard on her bed, it's on the right side of the bed, the only picture that I have of her. And every day when I make my bed, I'm not going to cry, I'm not going to cry. I pray for Crawford's lineage, her children, her grandchildren, her great-grandchildren, all the ones that are in her family, calling them into the kingdom because her son was saved and her grandchildren were all saved. Wonderful, godly kids. So in my heart of hearts, I believe that Crawford will be home in heaven as well. But it wasn't her spirituality. It was her sweetness, her connection. I don't know who's going to come through our doors this Sunday to come visit or who will be here on a Wednesday night because Pastor Troy is teaching and they've heard him before and they're going to come again. 
but let's hunt for somebody we don't necessarily know. Now, Yvonne has given me the, the heads up. Don't say, are you new to New Beginnings? She said, because a lot of times they'll come back, I've been here since your Irving building. So it's like, I don't think I've met you before. I'm Nancy, and what is your name? Start with an easy one to be successful with. Because <laughs> the truth is, you probably haven't met them before. Or if there's somebody that changes hairstyles or wigs on a regular basis, then you can make mention of that. Oh, yeah, you were blonde. Yes, I remember now. So our job as the leaders, because if you're in this room right now, or if you're taking the time to listen after the class, then you are a leader here at New Beginnings. And as I look around the room, most all of you are already doing this. Thank you. Thank you for being the hands, the arms, the feet, and the smile representing Pastors Larry and Tez. Thank you that you stop and pick up paper on the floor. Thank you that you wipe the, the bathroom counter when it's wet. Thank you that you pull the weed on the way in. Thank you for being a part of the family and the leadership in this house. But I don't want any of you to miss a single drop of what God has for us. I want us to be able to step into whatever comes tomorrow, knowing that he is able, and not only able, but wants to take care of us. So thank him every morning. By the way, do all of you look up at the sky when you get up in the morning to see what new picture he's painted? And how many thousands and thousands and thousands of new pictures he's painted every single morning? I've never seen the same sky twice. He's that creative. He's that creative to show you how to get well. He's that creative to show you what job to take. He's that creative to sustain you in the job you don't like until you get the job that you do like. He's that creative to show you what question to ask somebody. He's that creative to tell you now is not the time to speak. Now is the time to believe and pray. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Don't judge the circumstances by what you thought was going to happen or what you want to happen. When it doesn't manifest immediately, then just thank God that they're in the process. And sometimes that hallway is a pretty sweet place to be because we have total control over the atmosphere in that hallway. There's nobody else na-na-na-na-na at us. There's nobody else. It's just us and God. And that's a sweet place to be. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you have never abandoned us. No matter what is going on in our life, no matter what circumstances are around us, no matter how confusing it looks, no matter how complicated it looks, you have not abandoned us. Thank you, Lord, that even now, as we join our spirit to your Holy Spirit, and we say, Spirit, submit to the authority of the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ and our Father God. Soul, you submit the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and Father God. And body, you submit to the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and Father God. Thank you that you are sustaining us, that you are renewing us, that you are retooling us for the next season in this life. Thank you that you have chosen us, Father, to be instruments, your hands and feet in the world. Thank you that you multiply the things that need to be multiplied and you diminish the things that need to be diminished in our life. Thank you that you give us the questions to ask, the statements to make, that you bring the scripture to our minds, Heavenly Father, that we can speak your word because we all know that your word does not come back void. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that no matter what is going on around us, you are taking care of us. 
Bless each one that's in the room this morning. Bless those that will listen to this teaching afterwards. And Father, we thank you so much that we have the privilege of doing life your way. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you.